0: Please pronounce your name correctly for me.
1: Uh, Hanna Rost.
0: And you are from? Finland. And you are currently in Prague, part of the Prom Studio Artisan Residency?
1: Yeah, exact uh, For two months.
0: Okay, and are you ending your time now or...?
1: Yeah, in one week, actually.
0: In Finland, you do, I I noticed on your social medias that you say critic, writer and artist. Is that correct?
1: Yes, mainly I work as a visual artist, but then also I do art critics in Finland and uh, collaborate with different fields in arts.
0: I've never been to Finland. I've never interacted with uh, Finnish artists. So tell me a little bit about like just being an artist in Finland.
1: Hmm, okay, uh, I guess, well, um, I don't assume that it's easy anywhere, but in Finland it's a very uh, specific role in the society. And I feel that uh, as an artist, I am like this multitasking person as well. So um, I work with many different kind of projects and many different kind of fields. Uh, my, myself, I do quite a lot of exhibitions, so that's very common for me to have uh, many exhibitions in a year. Uh, but not only in Helsinki, where I'm based, but also like on the other other parts of Finland as well. And um, being an artist, for me, like it's, it's in some way like a normal job, of course. So it's a daily routine. I go to my studio and work there. But then again, like time to time, I do teach. I do do workshops and different kind of a collaborations, which include other artists or working with uh, kids or adults and that kind of uh, interaction with other people is very crucial part, at least for me, being an artist in Finland. And I think it's, well, it's, it's quite common. So I know quite many colleagues of mine as well who do the same. And um, I think it's very important also to have this connection to other parts. Of the society as well, and not well, working. I'm a already. professor. I understand. Yeah. yeah,
0: the the it's it's a great sort of rejuvenating thing to to sort of interact with uh, young people younger in the in their industry in their careers because it sort of reminds you of like oh the beauty of not having years and years of, of of sort of experience behind you, the, the naivete and the sort of exactly. you know, amazing sort of like, oh my God, he can do that kind of feeling. It's nice to be reminded of that sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel that that's like something that also grounds me somehow. So I also rem- remember that or it reminds me that, okay, this is like, also not something that I just go to my studio and work there like just with uh, just like with my imagination but I also I also enjoy interacting with the other other peoples as well and and um I also like feel that working as an artist is like um Complex thing, so it's not just like creating your your artworks, but it's also about the networking and it's also about the collaborations with the other artists as well. Like like I said, I do quite a lot of um, these art critics, and I do enjoy like I work with the uh, composers as well. So sometimes I feel that it's very important to also kind of reach over the visual arts, for example, and kind of uh, co- get in contact with some other fields of art and culture as well
0: certainly i've had a long history of musicians associates and, th- and dancers and all kinds of different people um so in finland like i've been just doing you know tertiary sort of uh, web searches and stuff like that it seems like the nordic region funds the arts amazingly
1: Yep, that is true, and that's actually what I've been discussing here in Pram quite a lot because they say that, like in Czechs, you don't have uh, this kind of a volume or a system of funding as what we have in in Finland, for example. So we ha- we And well, I I always think that's like in some way it's a very good thing, but like on the other hand, like we are very dependent of the of the funding. So we have like a lot of funding, like uh, private and state-owned foundations, uh, from which artists can apply grants to, and you can have grants for working, but also for different kind of projects or exhibition expenses or uh, traveling expenses and so on. And with these like funding grant systems, it really supports the arts and we have loads of them. So but like some some of them are more concentrated to let's say that like some foundations are more concentrated to fund um, artworks that are interested or studying environmental issues but then again like some other foundations are not interested they just fund whatever they find interesting or
0: that's normal everywhere yeah. though I mean if you look at artist residencies all over the world you'll find some that say oh well only, we only want people working with gender issues we only want people exactly. working with ecological issues etc etc so I mean having special Specialized interest is not uncommon, but yeah. but it just I, I like I'm I looked at the budgets of some of these places and the and the size of some of these grants and like coming from America and now living in Europe they seem quite uh, high
1: yeah some of them are quite high like and, shockingly
0: high i was like
1: but also hard to get so it's not like very really, very obvious to have those but of course if you are lucky or you have a project that really captures the uh, jury's uh, eye then of course or attention of course then you might get these kind of a uh, higher grants and of course that's like very ideal situation in some way and I actually thought about it that like of course uh, having this kind of a funding system with a lot of um, like the high amount of money I guess it's very nice as well that it gives you some sort of a freedom in some way to experience let's say for three years whatever your project is and just go go along with it. Funded
0: for three years sounds amazing.
1: I know that I think like the biggest uh, funding system you can have is like for five years. So it's just like... Working for five years without any interruption is quite amazing. (laughs) That's
0: luxurious. Like, yeah, Yeah. that's insane. But I mean, the thing is, is what I've noticed is because I come from America and I didn't even realize it while I was in America. But since I've left America and been in the Middle East and now been in Europe, in America, it's very... The art model is very much... You make an art piece, you sell the art piece, you use the income from that mm-hmm. sale to then fund your next art piece, yeah, yeah. which is completely different than in Europe, where it's more about you come up with an idea, you ask for funding, mm-hmm. you create the project, and then the project has no necessity of sales.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing. And it's like, uh, that's also something that I've been thinking thinking about while I've been here, that like how it shapes also the way how we do arts and what kind of art we do. So, of course, like if I would be very dependent of the sales, I would maybe do very different kind of artworks or more cerebral works, maybe. Yeah. Well, so. like I
0: come from the background of sales. So, like, I keep thinking object or product kind mm-hmm. of uh, art. Whereas here and in this region that I've noticed it's substantially less about it, and as a matter of fact, even like pure aesthetic like beauty is almost like put down but you know looked down upon it's like, oh, you just make decorative work kind of thing, yeah, not really good, profound work like there's this deep conceptual uh, basis for mm. the work that that exists in Europe because of this funding structure,
1: yeah. I do love it. And I when I said about that, it gives you some sort of a freedom, of course, like you are somehow bound to, when you apply for these fundings, you have uh, like a project proposal that you, you suggest and of course you are somehow bound to that, but like still you have more freedom to, I don't know, maybe expand or go over the limits or do something that's you probably wouldn't do if you would be more dependent on if it's like with these questions of, does, do I sell this work or not? So, um, yeah, I, I I do enjoy it but on the other hand of course I'm a bit worried that will this last like do we are, are we gonna have a funding forever so is that something that like when the economy goes to crisis they have to cut something and suddenly we don't have uh, any kind of a funding system so then we are screwed so, so, it,
0: so is that so it's a governmentally based thing so like theoretically if the economy goes bad that there will be less money for the arts uh, some, it, of like, yeah.
1: some of them are like some of them are from private foundations well, Oh, but
0: even the private foundations use the money from an investment that comes off of interest. That I mean, so they, yes. there is. so still they some are economic- somehow bound together, of yeah. course.
1: But especially the uh, state-owned uh, funding systems are those that are under a threat. I would say, if if the economy would go really bad. But uh, yeah, so it's kind of a delicate system. So I don't know. Like on the other hand, it provides you some sort of a freedom. And on the other hand, it's like a, a scary system that you don't know if it lasts. But that's a
0: scary system even if you're focused on sales. It's Because I mean, if you're well. focused on sales, if the economy goes bad, people aren't buying art, so like yeah, you're yeah. not going to sell. So I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're requesting money from a grant or whether you're relying on sales. Exactly, the yeah. Economy is the economy and it still affects everybody the same.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, okay, I'm fascinated because I'll, I'll, I'll I'll preface this with this is the wise fool podcast. So I have to look foolish at some point or another. So I'm going to look foolish now. The, the granting system necessitates that people need to be able to write eloquently about their artwork. Mm -hmm. I am the worst at writing eloquently about my artwork. Give me some, Insight, some ideas. Like, what were you trained? How how do you how do you, how do you write? So I, you can make your interest uh, residencies. Since you're mm-hmm. here on a residency or a, a grant that you uh, applied for in either some of the ones that you might know that you got or you didn't get. Because mm-hmm. my problem is this: I have written numerous grants over the course of my life. Some of them I've, I've gotten, some I haven't gotten. But the problem is when I don't get it. Or even when I do get it, Mm -hmm. I never get any feedback saying what I did right or what I did wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what I... So specifically when I apply for a grant and I don't receive it, why did I not receive it? Mm -hmm. What didn't... You know, was it my poor writing? Was it that it just didn't fit the criteria? I have no idea. They never give feedback. So I don't get any constructive feedback. So I can't get better.
1: Yeah. So it's always like hit, hit and miss in a way.
0: I know. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to talk to people who do it well or, you know, sort of base their career on it and see, like, what is it that that what's what's a technique that you've used that you find that works effectively in some way?
1: Mm. Well, I guess at least for these um, grants that I have got gotten, like after writing the applications. Or the
0: grants you haven't gotten that you might have learned something from.
1: I guess, like, um, of course, I don't, we don't get any feedback either. So that's okay. always, like, something that I I, I don't know exactly. And, uh, of course, of course, if I see the statics after received, receiving the declined letter that, sorry, we have to inform you that you didn't get the grant this year. Uh, of course, like, they also uh, usually inform the statics, statistics. So they tell you, like, let's say, 1,000 people applied and we only gave the grant for five. So then you know, like, okay, it was just like a...
0: Very competitive. Yeah, yeah. And
1: you just like, um, this time you were unlucky. So it was just like people were going through a lot of applications and in the end decided to choose someone else. So that's also something that's I, I do agree that, of course, even if I do the best with my writing, it still might not work.
0: Well, like I've heard stories from other people that basically they say, you should apply for a grant three times, mm. and you'll probably get it on the third time because like there there is a little bit of a that they they want to see your tenacity. They want to see that you really believe and that you, you fit. Apply again and you again, apply again yeah. and again and like like I've heard stories about people basically saying you never get a grant on the first application mm. that you, you get it on the second or the third or the fourth yeah, yeah. application.
1: I I probably could agree with that. That sometimes I feel that. Uh, you have to write it like, like, like just you know, just keep my name on the table so they get it over and over again, and they're like, Okay, like uh, now we see it again. And this person, or they see the project getting more interesting exa- and better, exactly. like, and this person it. is like very devoted <laughs> to do the uh, project or whatever. In Finland, I know that, um, they do change the jury, like not maybe every year, but like um, in some points, so um. It's also very common to like that. Maybe one year you have a jury that likes your work, and that second year they change the jury and they don't like your work at all. And then they decide that's okay, let's not give a grant for this artist. But with the ones that I have succeeded, I have felt that I have um, had like a very clear idea and very kind of. uh, not a long texts, for example. I try to keep it short. I try to keep it very accurate and like kind of informative. So I'm I'm not like uh, preferring to tell any stories like about n- not that much. I feel more like just like get straight to the point because I know that they have thousands of applications, right. so they don't have time to go through like a five pages long project proposal. Of course, if it's four or five years, maybe then that's different. But if you propose for one year, then I feel it's better to keep it short and very informative.
0: Okay. So, but now in America, we, it's funny, I was talking with somebody recently about this and they made a criticism of like American writing versus European mm. writing that the styles in and of themselves are very different. In America we're I don't know if we're taught or if we just naturally do it but we're very sort of effusive of a like I'm great I'm fabulous and this mm. is why whereas here in Europe it's more like I want to do XYZ and these are the things and this is the philosophy and this is the concept yeah. facts yeah, less, less of like I'm great, and this less is fabulous. Ego. <laughs> yeah, sort of less ego and more, just uh, just lay out the the nuts and bolts of sort of what that you want mm-hmm. to be done, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and not so much flowery, not so much sort of arrogance and egotistical kind of statements. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that sound about right?
1: Yeah, I would say that's definitely.
0: <laughs> like like when you write your grants or any any sort of things, like do you? it's it's a subtle little thing but like do you use like i me and my or do you talk about yourself sort of more as a concept it's little tiny things i know
1: i do say i me and i uh, or i do i do say like i'm proposing this project and like the background for it was this and this and this and mm-hmm. how i'm gonna execute it but like i guess the i is more on the background so i put forward the idea of this is the project and this is the works that i do and like these should somehow talk instead of me in some way
0: and you write your own grants you don't hire grant writers you don't get curators to help you with anything like this
1: no i write my own grants Uh, of course i sometimes ask my colleagues or some other people uh people's opinion so i sometimes um, ask for help like hey can you read it through and comment about it like do you see that like it's it goes over the top or a little bit off the topic so should i just make it more compact somehow, but uh, yeah, I do, le- do mainly write my own grant applications.
0: Part of my thing about the idea of this podcast is that oftentimes the arts becomes this sort of object to be worshipped mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, but also the people and the process is also very important. Yeah, of course. And What I really love about this podcast is that like it gives artists and gallery owners and curators and all these other people that, that never technically like get heard Mm -hmm. they get sound bites they get quotes they get things like this but but now through the act of the podcast you get to hear the inflection in somebody's voice the sense of humor the 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 enthusiasm that you wouldn't get like in a written text Mm -hmm. or something like this so I really enjoy that aspect of being able to basically what I what I'm sort of calling like giving artists a voice yeah like literally because like I have no idea what Picasso sounds like, you know? It's
1: true. <laughs> you know,
0: but now with with all the technologies these days, you know, coming future generations are going to have these great records of what the artists sound like and mm. their enthusiasm and their interests and their sense of humor and their laugh and, you know, things that you could never get by just looking at their art.
1: Or re- just reading the text from them or stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I feel it's very... And I do enjoy as well uh, for listening podcast about art because I feel that uh, it's quite important. And it's something that you you listen while you are traveling, like let's say in a tram or a metro or, or somewhere and then you have like you absorb it in a completely different way what the artist is saying and also like the intonations and like pauses and stuff like that as well so I feel it's very very different kind of approach and very interesting approach to have podcasts and voice records instead of just like reading text or seeing the artworks
0: or even video because I mean you know like me I believe I have a beautiful voice Mm -hmm. for radio-y kind of like broadcast but I think I have a horrible look like I would look <laughs> like a YouTube channel would not do me any justice but but being able to do for radio is great because I think I I, I am articulate and these kinds of things but I'm not beautiful you know like yeah. I'm not I'm not a model and I'm not going to be like showing like this is so-and-so's artwork yeah. like and that's kind of boring in some ways, because then it becomes more about the visuals it and does, less about it does. the content. And
1: actually, you start to look at the people, like the expressions on the face and like what's on the background, what, what the artist is wearing and so on. So you don't I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm
0: like, why would she wear those earrings? What is she thinking? What is going yes, on with it's this like hair? This distracting. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. I, I know. I do it all the time when I'm watching videos. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. it's unfortunate. yeah all right so back to your life uh so uh you're currently on a residency do you do lots of residencies or just a few
1: well it's not like rare but i don't do them like even every year but last year i was in uh in a residency in spain and a few years back in berlin so i have done few but like um not like every year, but I, I think after after Brahm I wanna do more. I feel that I have really enjoyed my time time here, and uh, the residencies before uh, have been shorter, to just for one month. And this has been two months, which I feel it's it makes a big difference. It does. And uh, so at least three months or even longer time would be actually even better, because I feel that during that time, you actually have time to settle down to the place. And for example, in here, uh, for, for the first month, I just read through th- uh, theory. I was just like developing my ideas, writing down them and just like maybe at the or in the end of the September I started to like do the actual visual works. So um, I felt that it was very important actually to have this like time before working. Of course like if you have a project that you have started before and you can take everything with you to the residency and just like create one part there and then continue when you go back home then it's again different but on the other hand i feel like two months at least it's it's way more better
0: oh sure i mean the the, the three things that we all want is time money and time. No, it's time money time and, <laughs> time and money that's two things that's what we want mean you know so like when you can go on a residency you have the space the time mm. to just devote to your whatever creative thing that you're doing, whether it's theory or practice that we can't do when we have the stress of our daily lives sort of weighing over us. It's that, that, um, separation of time is fabulous.
1: Exactly. And I feel like this cut out from your every, like all your daily life back home. So it cuts you off from these like, well, of course, I don't want to say burden of seeing friends. I love seeing my friends. But then again, like you have different kind of a schedule. So you are seeing your parents and your relatives and your friends and you have like different routines that, that you do. So it, it's also a pause and cuts to that as well which i do actually appreciate because then it allows me to just concentrate fully to these ideas and projects that i want to devo- develop and in here i have realized that like it had it has moved me like big steps forward with my thinking and with my artistic processes
0: Well, I mean, there's a I just recently saw a documentary about Bill Gates where like Bill Gates will literally take one week off Mm -hmm. and go to a cabin in the middle of nowhere with a a, suitcase full of books and just study and read and, and philosophize basically for one dedicated week every year. And then he comes back sort of refreshed with new ideas and ready to go. There is something about that. Ability to focus Mm -hmm. with as minimal amount of distractions as possible that is somewhat necessary in the creative industries that is less common these days, naturally. Like in older times, you know, you could. Artists could afford to just be artists and not have to do other jobs or just do one sort of vein of creativity and not have to do three to five different things to make enough money to whatever they need to do. But it seems like these days it's becoming more and more prevalent that we have less designated devoted time available to us that residencies end up being the great balancing act on that.
1: For sure. And I feel, um, of course, like, I feel that nowadays, like, working as an artist and in the art field is, it has become more fragmented. So you have a lot of, like, different kind of little jobs here and there that you do and you try to, like, multitask and handle all that. And it takes quite a lot of capacity from your thoughts to handle that. And um, I feel that, like, it's very crucial and important to have these, like, moments of nothingness that you have these moments like even to do nothing or is just like because like these ideas strangely they develop when you have this like free da- free time and this kind of a, like time that you don't you know that you don't have to be somewhere at five or you know that you don't have anything coming up during that day so it's very important to have these like. Um, uh, it's uh in, in Finnish we would say tufia county. It's like that you keep your car uh, on but you don't move with it. So mm-hmm. it's just like this moment when you just stay still but still you are active. Somehow. For sure.
0: Yeah, I mean those are in every philosophy you know of of the world, religions even talk about that sort of the stillness, the quietness, yeah. mm-hmm. kind of finding that peace. I mean and it's very hard these days. I mean I like personally I find I get my most inspiration one of two times when I'm either extremely busy, Mm -hmm. so busy that like, just like ideas just keep whizzing through my mind or the absolute, like I have absolutely nothing on my plate and suddenly I'm struck with something kind of thing, or I'm inspired to do something I'd never done before. I'm interested in going outside my comfort zone kind of thing. Modern society makes it very difficult to find those peaceful times.
1: Yeah and I feel that it's harder and harder to kind of uh, uh f- for um, kind of um, to find like um like reasons or find uh, excuses for having these because like it feels like society and everything every like the world is demanding you to be like active in a different way so they don't count this kind of a stillness as activity oh, yeah. so they my, think that you are just lazy my,
0: or- my wife works in like accounting she's like full-on like you go to work you do your job you know you come home and you relax kind of thing and she totally doesn't understand my lifestyle at all. She's she's like, well, you did nothing all day. And I'm like, no, no, I, I did do. a lot all day. <laughs> I just didn't produce anything today. But it I,
1: will come later. That's right.
0: But, it, but I, I had to lay the groundwork for the plan to then do this other thing in the future kind of thing. But yeah, the, non-creative people have very difficult times with understanding the lifestyle of creative people.
1: Yes, for sure. And I feel that um, also one very interesting thing, what actually my uh, painter friend wrote about was uh, when she was asked to do an article about materials. And she said that, like for her, the most important tool and material is not like brushes or paints, but it's, it's actually the working space or, or the studio itself. And I was like, oh, that's, that's so true. It's very important to have like a dedicated space for develop your ideas and it's kind of a safe space where you can go and even to sleep if you feel like it. So it's kind of a space where you can do a lot or you can do nothing and then it's... it's like
0: a a non-judgmental space like where literally you can be the biggest slob or the most OCD or whatever it is that makes you happy exactly. so that you can then just be free to be as creative as you want.
1: Yes. And I think as an artist, we all been there that we have worked in, uh, like we have had a studio, like let's say in a corner of our living rooms, and that's not like the best place to have it. So it's uh, after moving out from working working at home to a proper studio, I have realized that that's the best Thing or a decision that i have done since i since i moved there and it's been a long time ago but still i do kind of value this moment when i realize that i need to have a space for myself and space for my thoughts and for my creation
0: now are you the kind of person like because i know different artists that do a different are you the kind of person that would go into the studio here i'll give a perfect example i have a friend sean richards in the united states he had this Thing where he went to his studio at 9 a.m. every day and he worked until 5 p.m. Well, he didn't necessarily work, but he was in his studio mm-hmm. doing something in his studio from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. And then when he went home, he did nothing creative, you know, nothing artistic, whatever. He just did the rest of his life. Whereas other, many other artists do where they only go in the studio when inspired.
1: Hmm. I go to the studio almost every day inspired or not but maybe not at 9 between 10 and 11 and then i work a little bit more late but um I do go there, even if I sometimes feel like, oh, I'm so frustrated, like I, I don't feel inspired at all, why should I go there? Like have like do the effort of traveling there and so on. But uh, I feel that on the other hand, like sometimes I have thanked myself after going there and I have realized like this is exactly what I need, that I have to go there and I have to spend time in the studio because otherwise I just like procrastinate at home and do something else. So in in a way, I feel I'm even if I don't do anything at the studio, it's important to go there because it's still somehow progressing the thoughts and the ideas I have.
0: So in Finland, do you have to do like do other work for income or do you get enough income from your art to live and have a studio and make work?
1: Uh, some years I have enough income to just do my own arts, and some years no. So during those years I do teaching more, but um, then again during other other years I don't have to. So it's kind of an on-off balance that sometimes I have more freedom just to do my own arts, and some other other years no. <laughs> And it's yeah, it's like um, we're also dependent of the granting or the funding system as well. So if I get a grant for one year, of course, I don't have to do anything else. But again, like if I don't have a grant, then I have to combine and get the income from more resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel that it's very interesting actually how um, the material of photography is changing nowadays because like you said that like earlier we, we were just having these like documents of uh, printed on 4 by 5 large formats and like having them like holding them like super precious treasures. I still,
0: I still treat them precious. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> they are kept in sleeves, in a sealed binder, mm-hmm. in a box with <laughs> with with like silica yeah. to make sure there's no mold. Like I mean, I treat my negatives, even though I haven't touched my negatives in 20 years, I still treat them like they're yeah, precious.
1: Yeah. But I think that has changed somehow lately in photography. And for me, it was like a very big breaking point. I do use a lot of uh, photographic material as a base, for my works but for me it was like a big relief to realize that i don't have to treasure them or kind of value them in a in a way that i did before so for me like now i just enjoy when i can just rip and cut and destroy (laughs) the photographic material somehow and um i feel that that's also very interesting where contemporary photography is going that people are expanding the material a lot and experimenting with it a lot i feel of course maybe that of course that has been something that has been done before as well in some forms but now i feel that it's just like it has taken like enormous steps to something completely different
0: Right. So like I've looked at some of your works that you do. You blend together photographs with concrete and other sort of materials like this. So where, you know, sort of basically it's like, how did you come to, I'm a huge fan of materials and and using interesting blends of materials. Mm -hmm. So the question would be like, how do you come to taking something like sort of almost ephemeral, like a, a photograph and then putting it with something like concrete?
1: Hmm, that's a nice uh, good question actually I felt like um, they are like so different materials concrete is like so hard and so this kind of a rough material and then again I feel that photographs are so delicate and thin as well so I felt that it was very interesting to combine these two somehow because they are like almost opposites to each other but then I, again like I feel that in photography as well in Concrete as a material, you both bo- in both you have like some uh, weir- weird uh, depth or weird kind of a layerness that I wanted to use. So even in concrete, you can have cracks and you can create like some sort of a, like depth in it. And then again, like um, just like dipping a photograph inside, I felt it kind of uh, created some nice. Uh, idea of a crack in a history but like in a sealed way so for, uh, concrete is more a material that also like seals things in it but then again photography is more something i don't know flexible or fluid in some weird way
0: hmm. so are you using your own images or do you use like found images
1: uh, both I use uh, images from my family albums, but also found images from the flea markets.
0: Okay, wait, I have this pet peeve of mine. I'm fascinated by this. When you say you use your own family photos, are you literally using the originals or are you scanning them and reprinting them?
1: I'm scanning and reprinting them. Okay, good. No, I'm fine with that (laughs)
0: because I I hate when I hear of some artist that like used the original only family heirloom photograph, I'm like, Are you like? Come on! Are you serious? Really? Like that's a family heirloom. You don't use that. I mean, as much as I might love your artwork, you don't use the original. I find that horrible when people do that.
1: Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite rough decisions to do that. But I feel that also because usually the family family images are like in a format of uh, 10 by 15 uh, centimeters so they are quite a short or like a small small size to use as well so i feel that with the scanning you can of course like play with the uh, dimensions and the size so you can actually like just like enlarge the image and just like use little part of it and so on so i feel it gives me more flexibility to work as well if i don't use the originals but um it's, it's interesting. Actually, um, I was listening one podcast uh, from Finland, and there were like two girls talking about this um, a time of social media and a use of images during that time.
0: Which is a great topic. Please go forward. I know.
1: And it was uh, very interesting that the other girl in this podcast uh, actually said that if she would lose all her images, she would be just relieved. Like, if she would just lose everything from her hard drives and phones, she would be just happy. And... I don't know. I, I felt somehow very, I don't know, light or relieved with this kind of answer. Mm. I don't know. For some reason, I, I kind of agreed. Of course, I would be in shock for, for a moment. But then again, like during the time of social media, I feel we have so enormous amount of images in our hands and in our, on our phones and on our clouds and wherever, and we never go through them. So I don't know if, if I would even miss them, but it's the same with these family photos, actually, that we just, like, my parents storage them in the boxes that ne- no one never goes through, although I do when I want to use them for my artworks, but, like, on the other hand, we never... We never have like um, we never go through them. Oh, my parents
0: have bookcases upon bookcases of photo albums and shoeboxes and all kinds of stuff that have not been looked at in a decade.
1: And it's even like a burden or kind of a terrifying idea if someone is saying, "Oh, let's go through these photo albums together," and it's just like, no.
0: Oh no, I love doing that. But (laughs) but I I like that kind of stuff. I'm odd that way. I know it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, when I was younger I used to have lots of prints because I would be in the dark room, we would make tons of prints and stuff, and I used to literally have a bonfire uh, mm-hmm. like every couple of years where I would just burn off all the not ready for gallery, not ready for pre- presentation yeah. to the world kind of prints and I would just, you know, cleanse myself of them and start again basically. Like I've I've often had the concern of the what happens if there's a fire and you lose everything? Yeah, and uh, the you know, the thing I always just come to is just basically, well, start again. Like I mean, you, losing the material stuff. So like your your images on social media and all this stuff. Like it's just what you did, but you can always make more.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, you can you know, always start again. And of course, uh, um, if I would lose the files of my artworks, I would be very. That would be quite devastating. But then again, I feel that okay.
0: That's what Dropbox is there for.
1: Yeah. And I would feel that, okay, if I would lose, well, of course, I have multiple, multiple copies of them, but still it would be like, if I would lose all of them, then I would just think it as a new start. Yeah. I mean, it else. would suck.
0: I would be very sad for sure. For sure. But on the other hand, it's a sort of like clean slate, start again.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I feel that um, we shouldn't be too attached to images Although they are like super important, I still feel that you are you should also be able to let go of them. So for me this kind of a relation because I felt that before images were more dear and more kind of a something that I I wouldn't never definitely let go. So oh, well, people now put them in lockets yeah, to show yeah, their exactly. love. I mean they were very
0: precious at a certain time. So
1: like like now I feel it's more like I'm it's okay for me to let them go as well which is kind of a relief
0: <laughs> sure what now social media do you use it is it beneficial for you or is it distracting for you like wh- what's your relationship with social
1: media it's both i feel it's beneficial but it's definitely distra- distracting as well
0: i mean we connected through instagram <laughs> yeah exactly so, you know there are some benefits for sure
1: yeah 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 so you get like uh, i get collaborations i get like contacts through social media but also of course during the moments when i feel not inspired or uninspired and I'm procrastinating, I get very easily distracted of social media, of course. So during those times, I do hope that I wouldn't have it. <laughs> but on the other hand, I feel it's just like one ex- ex- extension to promote my arts.
0: Right. So then that is the question is like, so how do you choose to use it? Because of course, everybody uses it in their own way. So how do you choose to use it? How much time, energy, thought do you put into it? What's your, what's your, what's your hopeful expectation or your hope that you want from it?
1: I guess like I do hope to get more uh, connected and like create networks of course like because of the location of Finland I, I don't have a chance to uh, travel in Europe all the time. We are like behind a little part of the sea and then it makes it a bit more difficult. So uh, I feel that through social media, it's more easy to find new interesting artists, interesting creators, in- interesting galleries, artist-run spaces. And through that, I feel it's more easier to get connected. And I wouldn't hesitate if I would find... Well, actually, I, ha- I have found very few very interesting spaces so through social media so i wouldn't hesitate in some point to contact them and say like hey i'm very interested of your space and would it be possible to make maybe make a show there or do you have open calls or so on so i i do use it as a tool for to like process or kind of connect professionally mainly, and that's what I do hope to do even even more, I think. So I use it less for personal... Of course, it's like doing art is somehow always personal. So if I do, if I'm in Prague and I see a nice exhibition, it's part of my profession to post something about it, but it's also part of my personality to post something about it because I do like it. So, yeah, yeah. it's like a fine line or thin line
0: it is it's very difficult it's i mean i even with this uh, this podcast i'm always sort of wondering like how much should i be sharing on social media how much is not necessary because like if i post too many images about sort of things that aren't relevant mm-hmm. then is it really about the podcast anymore or is it about the exhibitions i go see and all yeah, this yeah. And so, so like i i waffle on it constantly
1: but for that, I feel Instagram is quite nice because you have the um, opportunity to use the Insta stories. So I feel maybe that is now for me more this kind of a personal channel because it stays there only for 24, 24 hours, hours exactly. Yeah. So that's quite a nice tool that I can have for posting something like, oh, I just found a beautiful uh, color, colored wall or I found night nice, there's like a beautiful day and nice rays of light, which I wanted to photograph. So I feel that's more personal, but that's also something that I wouldn't post on my, like, Instagram feed because I feel that that would be, like, again, a bit different from the uh, overall portfolio I have there.
0: Right. Okay. So you use it more as a portfolio right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned curators. How, now, coming from America, again, like, I'm, you know, again, I'm the wise fool here. So I, I come here with some a certain amount of knowledge, but a certain amount of stupidity. Curators are incredibly important in Europe. Like they are, I'm learning, they are the gatekeepers of Mm. everything.
1: Certainly. And I feel that curators are the ones that like have, like they are this kind of link between the buyers or gallerists or collectors and the artists. So they are this kind of, like you said, exactly the gatekeepers that can really make a change to to your career or help you but i also feel that they are there for for having the conversations for example with the artists so they are also there to give like a different point of view or and that's actually something that i do hope to do more to collaborate with the curators and hopefully i have a chance to do that in the future more that i can not like in a way that, oh, I have to get into some exhibition, but in a way that I could maybe invite them to my studio and just have a talk with my arts, about my arts, and just continue from that.
0: Yeah, that, that whole idea of like it, it, coming from America, capitalist society, all this kind of stuff, totally a foreign idea of like just like invite a curator over and you can have some tea talk about your art like we would never do that in america as a general whole maybe there are people that do it but i'm not i was not raised to do that because Mm -hmm. your time is money kind of thing and so like the amount of time that they're coming and giving you somehow you should pay for it or something like this and and but but here it's very normal it's very. I mean, I've been speaking with curators a lot, and they're all like, "Yeah, we go do visits in studios, and that's part of our job. Yeah, and yeah. Just knowing the different artists that exist, uh, making connections, trying to see like what's common, what's what's some what's going on exactly. contemporarily uh, among different artists. So they just need to keep up with uh, what's out there.
1: Yeah, and it seems like they have to do quite a lot of this, like non-paid field work where they just have to kind of uh, get the idea of what's going on and Mm -hmm. meet the artist and find new artists and maybe like build uh, like a collaboration or a collection in your mind that you could have like propose an exhibition to or I don't know it's just like very complex thing I feel being a curator as well
0: well it's interesting too because like then there's a certain sense of responsibility on the artist to not just maintain but to grow those relationships mm-hmm. so like non so we have to a make beautiful art be somehow get it funded or thing and then we also have to be sure to build uh, continually build relationships that are that that are a difficult thing because there, there's a fine line it's a it's partly a business relationship partly a personal relationship like you have to like the person Of course yeah but, but it's also a business there are going to be business transactions that are so going to So it can be there.
1: too too friend based
0: <laughs> Yeah in I some mean, way it it becomes very difficult because like so you you could easily fall into being too business or too, too friendly, friendly and and then the relationship doesn't work yeah, and yeah. that's a difficult balance to ride
1: Yeah I guess like the key is to be like very straight and honest so I guess you have to like, I guess, like, if you are too friends or too friendly, it might be that, like, then, like, it doesn't develop in a way you want it. Or, like, maybe the creator promises something that never happens. So I guess, like, you have to be quite strict with these kind of rules, that how, how it goes. So we have to keep our promises and so on. But... um Yeah, I guess like in in Finland, uh, we have curators, but it's more kind of a weird or thin line between the gallerist and curator. So we have a lot of gallerists as well who do visits to uh, artistic studios as well. And I feel that that's something that maybe in Finland is still developing, that you have like... um, that you have like a like very separate group of curators. So I feel that sometimes curators are doing quite a lot of the jobs of the galleries as well, or the other way around. Oh, I,
0: ne- I never even asked, are you represented by a gallery?
1: Uh, no, I'm not.
0: Okay. Do you, now, this is something that I'm always interested or that I've noticed is um, different than my perception. What is it you want out of your artistic life? Like what are your your life aspirations and expectations?
1: Mm-hmm. I guess I, I never I never imagined myself of being this like big superstar artists, so I feel that for me, being able to do the things that I enjoy and keep me developing my arts and my my ideas and my personality, even I think it's somehow important to. It's important, like, my expectations are that if I can do those things, I I would be more than happy. And um, to to do maybe make a living out of it, but, like, I don't require big amounts of money every month. I require money that, like, enough money that I can survive with it.
0: And buy all your art materials and pay for your studio. Yeah, exactly.
1: But, like, it doesn't have to go over over that balance that much so I can survive with many quite little so I feel well, that at, at
0: the moment we all as we get yeah. older life gets more expensive
1: exactly well I don't uh,
0: know your age and I'm not gonna ask so
1: yeah 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 but um yeah I feel that like maybe for me the crucial part is to be able to keep developing so I feel that like being an artist and like it's it's part of a, like, a life-going process that you just want to learn more about yourself and more about the world and more about the topics you are interested in and you feel it's just like this kind of a digging all the time deeper and deeper to these uh, topics that you are interested in and I feel that if, if I can do something like that and continue doing something like that and make somehow a living out of it... I would be more than happy. I don't expect to be world known, famous artists. I expect myself to be somehow an artist who can keep my freedom in some way to grow and develop.
0: As a photographer, I was trained as a photographer. We were taught to work in a series. Mm-hmm. So like you do a, either set amount of time or set amount of images that create a portfolio and that's your sort of little series. And then you put that series out into the public. It's sort of, I feel like, and maybe it's because I'm getting away from photography and a uh, purist photography, and I'm getting more into multimedia and other things mm-hmm. like this, that there's a less of an interest in that, um, in the rest of the arts world. Is it, there seems to be it's um you can make a couple things and then you can sort of change to do a couple of different things as long as as long as there's a common thread that mm. goes through we'll say conceptually yeah the the actual subject matter the volume of the portfolio let's say you know so the sheer quantity of the work or whatever is almost irrelevant as long as there's a a thread that feet says that all made by the same person all made by the same mm. mind kind of thing where and that's the complete opposite of everything i was trained as a photographer mm. you know, yeah consistency cohesiveness like all these things that we the words that we use in photography are completely not true in the rest of the art world these days
1: yeah yeah and i feel that even when i studied in helsinki in the, uh, University of Art and Design, uh, I felt that like in photography, it was very common to do series like the series was the thing that you do. And lately, a lot of us have questioned that like, do we have to produce series anymore? Can we just produce like separate single artworks, which is and then if you need to, you can put them together for a show and then you can again separate them. So I kind of like the idea that you don't have to actually produce series anymore, that it can be like something, again, like more flexible and you can kind of uh, tear it down to pieces and put to, put together in a different way and so on. And um, like you said, that I feel in contemporary art, it's more important to have like some sort of a thread, thread but like. Or some sort of a like connection between artworks, but it it doesn't have to be, like a coherent series, or it doesn't have yeah, to be like it, it a, could be a,
0: just a concept, basically. Exactly you know like yours is it like like deconstruction and and sort of maybe permanence and impermanence and the balancing of those yeah, and yeah. Then how do you express that in different ways exactly and, and i mediums. feel
1: that with me it's very like the uh, themes and ideas behind them are the thread so it's more about the uh, history layers of his- history and layers of time and layers of memory as well. So it's kind of a construction, again, these new new pieces together and maybe creating something new or kind of a playing with this kind of a visibility and invisibility as well. But they are all tangled together, for sure.
0: Oddly enough, I've been incredibly inspired by talking to you. I now have this new idea that I'm going to try and play with and because of the things you've said that I'm like,
1: yes, that's a great idea
0: that I had not thought of before. So. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I need. More ideas. Like I've got more than enough ideas. Ideas are not my problem. Like I mean, executing it, it, them. <laughs> executing them is not my problem. Exhibiting them is my problem. Mm-hmm. Funding them is my problem. Um, potentially selling them is oftentimes a problem as well. I mean, creative people. I find there's no shortage of creativity. You know, so like we all have ideas. Basically, like if somebody were to come to you and say, "Here's a million euros." Now make me something, no artist would be like, I have no idea what to do. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So it's not about, our issue of making art is not about not being able to make art or come up with a creative idea or come up with a a process or a technique or a materials. It's about finding the time and Mm -hmm. the money and the space to be able to have the freedom to just say, this is the thing that I wanna make.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I feel that's... Like we can adapt quite easily to different kind of situations. So let's say you sa- you just said like someone offers you like 1 million, we can adapt to that. So of course, maybe we would do something that bigger. we... Bigger. Bigger, exactly. But more like, expensive. Of course, I'm we, working
0: in bronze all of a sudden.
1: Exactly. But uh, of course, like uh, on the other hand, I it could be something different. Like if you have 100 euros, then you adapt again and you do something smaller or more. Something that you don't need... S- To have like a lot of budget production for it.
0: Oh, well, I found that. I mean, over the course of my life, I've gone from no studio to small studio to massive studio Mm. to small studio. (laughs) And it's very fascinating how your budget and your space dictate the scale and the materials of your work.
1: It is true. Actually, my first studio, I want to tell this story, was in a bunker. And it was underground, but like a military bunker. <laughs> it was like a bunker for a, like a bomb bomb shelter. Yeah, okay. And uh, like it was under under a house uh, in Helsinki, and uh, so you went downstairs underground, and uh, there was like this bit like one very big uh, heavy metal door that you have to had to close, and you lost. Sounds
0: or... very theatrical. I love <laughs>
1: it. it. It was, and um, you lost all all the uh, signals from your phone, so you couldn't use your, your phone there and like it was kind magical. of magical it was kind of a place that if someone would have bombed the house above to the grounds there was like a little hatch that you could crawl into and just like pop out from the other side of the street so there was like a second escape but while being in a bunker <laughs> I, I didn't produce much and i, I want to say
0: that sounds really cool though
1: but it was very demanding and hard for creativity, or at least for my creativity. Well, sure.
0: I mean, you're, you've got no light. You're oppressive, basically. You're underground. You're, you're in this dark, dank place. I mean, I, I and your can phone
1: doesn't work. <laughs> but like, that
0: sounds great, actually. I like the idea. <laughs> well, like, that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, it does have Advantage. its benefits. But yeah, but so so that was not advantageous for you.
1: No, right? it wasn't inspiring for me at all, and I felt that I like the works that i produced were somehow very thin and like almost like invisible in some way and kind of uh, tense as well that I, I i felt i i like in the end i wasn't so happy with many of the works that i produced there because i felt that i there was just like some big mental pressure <laughs> for being in this bunker that it kind of just like just like somehow my inspiration and creativity escaped from maybe from the hatch but uh, after that I moved to this big studio shared with two painters and then like we had like massive lights massive big windows with beautiful lights and like very high ceilings and I felt like that was like a point where I started to produce, again, like very different kind of artworks. And that really kind of inspired me. So after that, I realized like, okay, I'm very dependent on light. (laughs) A lot of
0: us are. I mean, we're, we're dependent. I mean, it's like you go back through history. I mean, I'll use Picasso again. Like he has blue period and then he had his other you know, gray periods and other periods like this that's like different aspects of their life. That something was going on in their life that somehow gave them some inspiration, whether it be a studio or a relationship Mm -hmm. or a lack of relationship or money or no money or whatever. Much of the artist's output and their sort of expression that's going on in their life is oftentimes a reflection of whatever is going on in their life, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's very interesting. But also like... um I talk with my one friend of mine I feel because I went through uh, like a big uh, long periods of depression and uh, I felt that after like uh, recovering from those I've been able to deal with those like moments of depression but then again like during the time when I was depressed I couldn't imagine like dealing with the depression so I was doing completely opposite so i try to use a lot of colors and like try to do like something again completely like opposite for it. So it's funny as well that with some moments of your life, you cannot do it when you are in it. But when you are out of it, it's more easier to handle them or again, deal with them.
0: Sure. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times like when I was in school, I used to like, I, I remember getting up in front of the class and I'd be like, oh, this work is about blah, bitty, blah, 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 whatever bullshit art speak I just said. And then 10 or 15 years later, I look back at that work and I'm like, okay, that work was not about all that bullshit Mm -hmm. that I said. It was about this other thing or this issue or this whatever that was going on in my life that I didn't have time and distance and perspective on to really understand why I made that work. And this is where it goes back to the whole writing of artist statements kind of things. Like oftentimes I don't know why I'm making what I'm making until I have time and distance
1: yeah to, look back to it, yeah, to
0: look back at it and say, that's why I made this. This is what was going on in my life or this is what I was having issues with or fearful of or whatever. And, and, and I find it very difficult because this idea of residencies and granting, basically it, it works under the structure of being able to foresee what you're mm-hmm. going to be working oh, yeah. on and i can't do that i i'm more of a retroactive like i will produce a thing and, and then, then I can, see. and then i see why i did it mm. five years later but the idea of writing for grants and residencies and stuff is basically going i foresee that i'm going to be depressed and i'm going to be doing this very dark work about this issue of depression I don't know that I'm going to, or I'm going to be very happy and I'm going to do very colorful work Mm -hmm. to express this. I have no fucking clue what I'm going to be. I mean, and a lot of times these grants and these residencies are a year, two years out. Like, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. Like, I don't even know what kind of mood I'm going to wake up with tomorrow. How could I possibly foresee what I'm going to be inspired by or what mood I'm going to be in or how I'm going to work a year or two years out? And that's why writing grants and residencies is very difficult for me
1: i guess like for me it always helps that i can somehow reflect to the things that i have done during the past and i the thing to the things that i have written about before and then i can somehow extend that but like in a enough loose way that i have the freedom to Uh, Maybe, of course, if I go to a residency and I'm like extremely happy or maybe I just lost someone and then I'm extremely sad, so that will for sure affect me. But then I still have like this freedom or kind of a free space to uh, work with it. So it's still like kind of uh, the outcome, like it's not too strict, restricted. Mm -hmm. So it's still like kind of uh, it has the flexibility to be whatever it will lead me to. (laughs)
0: I'm. I'm still learning. You know, I'm 46 years old, and I'm still learning all this stuff. Me too. <laughs> You're not 46. We,
1: I'm not 46. No, but I'm still learning.
0: <laughs> you are so much younger than me. You are not 46. Phew. Scared. But
1: I'm. More. I'm. I'm in the same level that I'm. I'm learning. I'm still learning.
0: Well, we all are. I hope. I mean, until we,
1: the end, I you know, think I, I do hope. Yeah,
0: I, I, I always joke to my wife. I keep telling her. She's like, she's like, oh, you're, someday you're gonna retire and blah blah blah. And I'm like, what is this retire thing you speak of? Like, I have no intention of retiring. I want to die in my studio or in the classroom. That's where I'm gonna die. Like, I don't, I don't want to retire. I have no. It's interesting, like. Society sort of has this idea of like, oh, you work from this period retirement. to this period, then you go into retirement. I mean, even and you
1: then know. you like do whatever you wanted yeah. to do, and,
0: and I'm like, but I'm like, well, but I'm doing what I want to do now,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so, like,
0: I'm not waiting for retirement because I had this friend of mine, Caroline Butts, she was, was a fabulous lady, great lady. She had kids she was fabulous to the community lived a pretty full life and all this kind. and then she got to and she built this great little company and then she sold her company and she said okay great i'm going to retire i'm going to spend time with kids i'm going to travel she got diagnosed with cancer and was dead six months later
1: but that's exactly like you never know. Like we might be dead tomorrow, so it's important to live also now and not like for for the retirements. And actually, well, this is a bit gloomy, gloomy topic. But
0: yeah, <laughs> it's fine. But
1: I'm, I mean, I'm I'm from Finland, so it's very common for us to talk about these things. I guess sometimes. Well, that, it's
0: funny. That's a the, as a foreigner, I would have said Finnish, depressed. Yeah, like that's pretty normal.
1: Like gloomy topics, but uh, I talked with my co- uh, like maybe a year ago, year ago with my composer friend of mine, um, and uh, we discussed like, what if you die tomorrow? Would you be would you be satisfied or happy with your life? And we both agreed that yeah, like of course, like there would be things that we wouldn't have like, or things that we would have liked to have done, but of course like in general i think it's uh, for me it's it's a question that i if i would die tomorrow i hope that ev- everyone who hears this is like knows that i lived like a full life until that day so. you know what i
0: always afraid of i'm always wondering when i die who's going to be in control of my estate and are they going mm-hmm. to have sort of the same ideals and beliefs that mm-hmm. I have about how to manage my estate? Yeah. That I know that's incredibly arrogant of me to believe that I even have a, a worthy body or series of work to necessitate an estate. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's, I actually think about that. I'm like, what, basically, how is my legacy going to be handled?
1: Of course. And I, that's again, like something that we have discussed about that, like, um, what do you do? Like I like regularly like destroy some old works of mine that I'm not happy with. Yeah, because so. in
0: case you die tomorrow, you don't want somebody else to think that, that was a great piece you were exactly. working on.
1: Exactly. I don't want anyone to show it. <laughs> so <laughs> like this is something very common that quite many friends of mine as as well, I guess, um, agree with. Do oh, yeah. you have to you have to kind of edit how how the uh, what you leave behind, or and, potentially leave behind. Yeah. yeah. Well, you will leave behind something, but like of course if it will be discovered or no that's another case but uh, I mean like you someone will have to go through the things that you leave behind
0: wouldn't it be fascinating if we could like just start burying art in random places for it to be discovered yeah, at some point awesome. in the future <laughs> just like just make a piece of art put it in a, like a steel box bury it in some city somewhere and just leave it there yeah, for yeah, it yeah. to be discovered someday in like the future after
1: 500 years yeah. they will find it oh that would be amazing
0: that's uh, somebody's gonna steal that as an art
1: project, I'm sure. Now that I've said, <laughs> I already about, but... started to think about it. I like, know, oh, I'm we should like... go and just bury it somewhere here on the construction area. <laughs> I'm like,
0: wouldn't that, but wouldn't that be fascinating if some artist actually went around and just like made? It, they don't have to be big pieces, but like little pieces yeah, and yeah. buried them. Never told anybody. Maybe left a little note in it, whatever. But like, never told anybody and just left it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do like the idea. I feel like um, uh, when I was younger and even still I do have, I'm very fascinated about the uh, archaeology and geology and I feel that these kind of a, like Dickinson uh, findings that, that just like appear from the layers of ground are extremely fascinating. And, like, that's one of the teams, actually, that I'm working here as well. That is just, like, something that I want to dig through the time, but, like, do really this kind of archaeological kind of approach to it as well. You
0: you can take pictures of these things not showing where it is and just put them on, like, an Instagram feed saying, this is an object that I have now buried somewhere in the world.
1: That could be very, like, performative acts as well. (laughs) Or it could be... Um, this, of
0: course, it sounds like a lot of money and time and effort, but yeah. you know, whatever.
1: Well, 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 maybe Frame would fund the travel costs for <laughs> doing like a but to bury your work like somewhere in uh, South America, for example. I know, wouldn't that be great?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I need to bury it in the Maldives, so yeah. please send me to the Maldives. But okay, so. I've taken up enough of your time. So I've got my my final uh, two questions that I ask everybody. So let's sort of wrap this up. One is, is basically some sort of advice uh, generally. So like the idea is the listeners are people who want to elevate their own careers. So some sort of experience that you've had that I always ask people for. Things that they did wrong or mm-hmm. that went badly that you could try to advise people to stay away from mm-hmm. or something that you've been like, okay, because I made a series of these mistakes, I have learned that this works.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that kind of a thing. Um For me, as an artist, I feel um, I get very easily inspired and distracted by some other artworks. So I get very easily affected and then like if I'm super inspired of someone else's work, I realize that I go to the studio and I start to do something similar. Not like exactly the copy of the artworks that I saw, but like I somehow absorb the the thing that, things that I saw and of course in some level we'll, we always do but like I think it's very um, important to stay somehow critical to work that and realize when like someone else's artwork is distracting and leading your way of doing and when you should like keep on your own path.
0: Yeah there's a difference between like an homage to versus copying. Yeah, or being inspired. Like one thing that I always say to my students, like it's great to be inspired by something, but don't make work like them.
1: Exactly. So I feel that it's important to stay critical and being able to kill your darlings in a way that you should be able to abandon some artworks that just don't work or the ideas that just don't work. So that's another thing that I have realized that, or I have learned during time that um, that I have to be able to let go and I have to be able to um, just uh, abandon some artworks that felt very dear to me, but just don't work.
0: I have a question along that line. 99% of the time when I do an exhibition, I will put up the piece that I love. I think it's like, oh, I absolutely love this piece. And then I'll put up a bunch of other stuff. And then at the end, there'll be like an extra space or something. And so you put up, you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just throw this last Mm -hmm. thing in almost every time the piece that I love, nobody else loves. And the piece that I just was like, oh, I've got some extra space and I just threw it in there just to be <laughs> in there, is the one that everybody <laughs> loves. Do you have this experience or is it just me? Uh,
1: yes and no. With some works, yes, I have had that, like that I don't have any like um, strong affection or a strong bond to an artwork. And then all the other, other do you like exactly that one. But quite often I have had these works that are very dear to me and then they are very dear to, to the audience as well. So, really? Yeah. yeah,
0: I rarely fall into the category of like my favorite piece is also the favorite of the
1: public. Yeah. I've, there are maybe a few pieces. So, maybe that's something
0: so, 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 about my taste. But yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I But I would say that like staying critical and like um, following your own path, maybe this is like a cliche as well, but like at least... Oh, staying wait, is critical. completely a cliche yes yeah but staying critical is like very, very 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 important i think like not taking anything granted or but i guess like everyone has their own path so you never like it's hard to say for someone else like oh don't do this because like if you do that it actually might work for someone else so i guess it's always like doing mistakes and learning from them and just like going through the whole process so i guess like you should be also you shouldn't be afraid of doing mistakes and you shouldn't be able to or you should you shouldn't be afraid of failing
0: yeah i saw a video years ago there's this uh design studio that had this big mural that said fail hard
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and i'm like i love that I'd I'd almost get a tattoo of that. I don't even do tattoos. But fail hard. Like if you, no matter what you do, do it to your best of your ability. Even if it's an absolute failure, fail with the the, the most passion you can possibly fail with. And I think
1: like failure, that's actually one one of the topics that I'm very interested in. And I'm doing a show in one year about this failure, failure topic. And I feel it's very important for artistic processes for sure. But in general, in life, we experience a lot of failures, and that's again something that we we would like to more tell the successful stories about how we how we dealt with these things, and maybe it can include failure, but in the end, it is like a success. But then I feel that failure is a very important point where you can consider over again what's like where you are going, or what what was your idea, or it kind of a allows you radically to think differently of the moments why why you failed and then again like it helps you to develop to a new direction so i guess like failure is like very crucial part for being an artist
0: absolutely all right last question now this is a little bit of a long question so bear with me on this as part of the podcast, the intention of the podcast is for me to learn, and me, me and the listeners, to learn how to successfully navigate the industry of the arts, to be able to find their uh, ability to make enough money to uh, make a living and be happy, and all these kinds of whatever each individual defines it as. Since this is a nebulous thing, I mean, it's just a set of conversations, there's no quantifiable outcome of this to say yes I have learned how the art world works I've created a quantifiable outcome so my desire is to learn enough about how the industry the world the scene whatever word you use for the arts works effectively enough to get a piece of my artwork so me my artwork on exhibition in the Museum of Modern Art in New York City Mm -hmm. (laughs) so my question to every guest is what is something that i and then i as a proxy for all the listeners basically could do to put my career on the right path to be able to attain that goal
1: ooh <laughs> <laughs> that's a tricky question. But I guess that's a question that like every artist could ask themselves, like especially if you want to have a uh, exhibition in MoMA, of course.
0: It could be any major or, institution. But, I chose MoMA. But MoMA,
1: MoMA is a nice nice choice. Yeah, I mean so. it could
0: be Tate Modern, it could be any any exactly major institution. Exactly. Like
1: Speaker uh, yeah, like how how can you work towards that? I guess Is there any like I don't know can it be said that I would do this and this and this but I guess like you just have to keep working and you just shouldn't like (laughs) not give up (laughs) in some way but I mean it's again like very cliche thing to say but like if I would like to work onwards with that I would never retire and I would try to just keep myself developing and keep connecting and keep just pushing. I don't don't know. I guess like just not giving up hope.
0: Connecting though. What did you mean by connecting?
1: Connecting and creating networks.
0: And that that really in in the end is what I've learned is the most important aspect, which is the most difficult aspect for most artists because we're generally solo people. Like we are not generally team players per se you know we we want to be in a studio we want to be by ourselves Mm. but it is an absolute necessity in the industry these days that you must work with other people and you must go out and make these connections and these relationships and you must build them and uh, nurture them and expand them whatever you know whether it's a gallery or a a curator or whatever it is collector that you you have to build these things and this is one of those things uh, like i do online reviews for lens culture um, yep. and constantly people are like how do i get uh, exhibitions how do i get shows how do i get blah blah blah?" Contacts. And, and it's always going to be contacts of like,
1: course and uh, i feel that nowadays it is very rare or if it even does exist this kind of uh, mythical idea of an artist working in a solitude somewhere and being discovered somehow. I know. It's, it's, it never uh, happens. Well, yeah. not, never.
0: Rarely. I mean, Rarely. It's, it's that unicorn thing.
1: Yeah, with, yeah. But it's still kind of a thing that is still gets sometimes mystified. So I feel that it's very important that who you know and how you know them and how you nurture the contacts and how well you have the chemistry playing together with these persons so well yeah
0: cuz like I mean, if you went to a curate like let's say cuz some people give me the advice of look up the curators at moma and then basically approach them and i'm like well but if i do that it's a direct almost like a, it's a pure business thing it's it's mm-hmm. it's a hi i want to use you to get to this goal and nobody wants that. Nobody, yeah. and they're they're not going to they're not going to respond positively to that. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it, you can't go into these idea of these connections and these relationships with any intention of basically using these people to achieve, achieve a goal, or else the relationship is already started Grutes, in the wrong yeah. way.
1: But I guess like it's very uh, important as well to kind of. Uh, so it, it has to come from the feeling that you feel that you both can get something out of it. And that's when it could work, actually, that that's you both nice, feel yeah. that, like, you, like, okay, I think your approach is very interesting and it has, like, some reflection to the things that I deal with in my arts. So I feel in that kind of occasions there is a possibility that it can grow to something bigger. So I feel it's always important to have, like, a... Like somehow feel truly that you both can get something out of it, not just like, hey, let me let me have an exhibition there and there and there, and can you just be my curator and just like, can I use you? So I feel it's more important that you both are in the same boat with this, that you you have you share something common or some some interest in the uh, similar themes or similar kind of uh, concepts or so on.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean the. The fact that, you know, we're telling people through this podcast basically like that you can't be sort of selfish and self-centered and and sort of egotistical and and go out with the intention of I want to use you as a stepping Mm -hmm. stone to get to X, Y, Z kind of scenario that you the relationships with gallerists even, and even other artists, those too, because like these other artists can then recommend you for exhibitions, recommend you to curators, recommend you to collectors. Galleries, even yeah, yeah. The, the, you can't use people. The, the reason why I'm sort of stressing on this is because I did it. Like I remember being younger and and saying like, "Oh, I need to be friends with this person mm-hmm. because this person has connections with this this gallery or or the, these curators or whatever." And I remember trying to use people basically, yeah. and it never worked.
1: I think we all been there that we have tried and yeah. then it hasn't worked. And we have learned from that that, okay, we shouldn't like, or I shouldn't just like approach whatever gallery in a hope of that they will represent me if if there's like, a, if it's just like for the purpose of me using them. But I feel that, um, yeah, that it's, it is very important. And even like when I said that I'm like with the social media that I look forward to create more networks and create more connections even to these like calories that I'm interested in I feel that I have like s- strong connection to their ide- ideologies behind like the uh, what kind of shows they have there or the space is like very intriguing or very inspiring for me so I feel that if I approach them more in that way that hey like I feel that we are sharing something common or we we have like I'm very interested in, in your space but like not just in a way that I want you to, I want to use you, but more like that we can both get something out of it. I feel that's more better approach for any kind of a connections or networks.
0: It's it's yeah, it's all about the sort of the mutual growth and expansion.
1: Yeah, and I think like that's something that we all want in the art field, whether we are artists or curators or. Galleries or collectors or even just an audience who enjoys art—I feel it's just like this nice feeling of community, and I—I I do, I do truly do hope that it goes more towards that. I feel that that's something that should—that thats the way that in my like hopes and ideas it should go more towards to, rather than this like capitalistic way of thinking and marketing and just selling the works yeah
0: well i come from a background my dad's a priest minister whatever you want to call it and uh the idea of like uh when the tide gets high all boats rise if we all can learn from each other then we all will get better yeah yeah i'm a huge fan of that kind of an idea
1: yeah i i do think that that has like a seed of proof in it that you just have to somehow I think that that's that's very important that's it's not just like use or getting advantage of or taking advantage of someone it's just like more like hey we both can get something out of it and that's i guess one way to do it
0: and that's hard it's really hard it's like dating basically like yeah. we're, we're basically <laughs> dating trying to find people that we connect with that we you know
1: we are in the same wavelength and yeah. share some same values or ideas or interests or whatever it is but i guess that's that's the way to do it and it's it's hard for sure and uh, like uh, for an introvert introverts like me i feel that sometimes it is like very 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 kind of a difficult thing to proceed or go through
0: <laughs> indeed absolutely all right well thank you very much for your time
1: thank you for inviting me <laughs>